tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. It's a double whammy on our latest episode of Soundtracking as we bring you two extremely talented ladies charting very different courses in the world of cinema. First up is Hilda Gotinotia, well known to fans of this podcast on which she's featured by proxy many, many times. Hilda has gained broader and much-deserved recognition for her work on Joker, Todd Phillips' origin story about the eponymous supervillain that has proved hugely popular amongst movie fans and critics alike. If you haven't seen it yet, Joachim Phoenix's performance is astonishing, as is Hilda's suitably disturbing score. I think it's a masterpiece. Then we have Dolly Wells, a much-loved British comedy actor who's just made good posture. Now, she and I have more of a chat about her career in television and film than your usual focus on music, but she is an utter delight, so we really wanted to share it with you. But we begin with Hilda and her very first cue from Joker, Hoyt's Office. Hilda, thank you so much for sparing the time to talk to us on Soundtrack. And you've been, you've featured quite a lot, actually, in the three years since we, we started. Had a wonderful conversation with Garth Davis about you. Oh, lovely. We spoke to him about Mary Magdalene, oh, which lovely. was a, a gorgeous score. But let's talk about now, first of all, if mm-hmm. that's okay. Yes, um, and I, last week, um, had the pleasure, it was slightly nerve-wracking leading up to the event, but the pleasure of hosting a Q&A with Todd and Joaquin oh, for right. Joker. Yeah, great. And um, the film is extraordinary. I think it's uh, it's one of my films of the year. I think it's a masterpiece in so many levels. Beautiful. And can I take you back to the first conversations that you had about that film, how it was presented to you, at yes. what stage it was at, and yes. what was given to you? I yes, guess. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so um, so I just got an email from Todd Phillips who asked uh, if I was interested in reading a script on a fil- for a film that he was working on, and, yeah. and um, which I of course was. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he sent me the script, and and um, uh, which I read, and I, I just I loved it. I really I really fell in love with um, the way that he was telling the story of this you know character that that I had grown up with, and yeah. and uh, it was just such I thought it was such a beautiful approach to to a really complicated character and uh, so he asked if I was interested in uh, writing some music based on my feelings that I got from the script and um, which I of course was as well because I, I, I just connected so strongly to it on a, on a somehow like a physical and, yeah. and emotional level because it's it's quite different I think when you're reading a script or a book because you have so much space to kind of imagine the world and the pacing and you're kind of you know you enter the story from a completely different space than when you're like watching a yeah. film or when you're like you know you're being led with your eyes and not your kind of physical feeling of yeah. of, uh, of of the story. So I, I thought it was a really exciting approach and and uh, I sat down to to write some music and and uh, Todd was familiar with my solo albums which are quite largely led by the cello. So mm-hmm. he kind of wanted the cello to be a kind of center center role and that was pretty much the only direction as such that I that I had so he didn't really he just wanted to hear what I felt yeah and um so we didn't talk at all about tonality or pacing or or any any uh, such such things and when I sat down to uh to try to find my way into expressing it musically what I what I had felt I you know was kind of fumbling around for a while and then then somehow when I just uh, these notes um i mean this doesn't happen this is not my normal process and it doesn't happen all the time but it was just like when when he's when his notes came to me i just got this kind of it was like being struck by lightning in the chest it was like that's it and i just had to hold my breath and i was like that's him that's him there he is and and uh so i started recording and and then uh these, yeah, the first kind of themes were born, and and um, which I then uh, like did the arrangements of, and and uh, sent to Todd, and he just loved loved what I had done, and and just felt that it was really exactly the story that he wanted to tell. It's just such a beautiful privilege when you're, when you can collaborate like that. When you don't have to have a, 
a big dialogue about what you're trying to say or you know if you can just like really without too many words just be in complete agreement about the story because our story of course can be told in a million different ways exactly and um and the music of course is such a big part of the storytelling so it's just such a wonderful it's just such a wonderful place to start a collaboration in such strong agreement Mm -hmm. so i sent him a lot of um, a lot of this music which he then used as they were uh, starting to shoot and Joaquin just actually told me this a few weeks ago and, and he talked that, about it last week yes exactly that, like that 1500 people yeah, <laughs> yeah it was incredible to hear yeah exactly because he was kind of you know it's, it's it's such a complex character and this transformation that it goes through is is um is is quite complex because um uh, it's it's a character that almost he's almost he's almost become a real life character even though he is fictional because he's just been such a big part of of um you know p- people of my generation yeah. or from the 70s 80s 90s are just so have such a strong connection so to him familiar yes with him. exactly and and to specific performances of him and and as his origin story has never been told you know it's it's a complicated um subject to access and, he's a man and, though that's a, i think that's yeah. what's I mean, the cello is such a physical mm-hmm. instrument in mm. that the way that, you know, you're, you're, you're hugging it. It's, exactly, it's, yeah. It, you're touching it. You, yeah. There's a connection there. Exactly, so yeah. To feel this character through that. And yeah. I love the the notion. And I think that that's what your music, for me anyway, with the film, really reminds you of that this is a person. This yes. is a man. Yes, exactly. Who's kind of been yeah. tossed aside by... Yes, Society, society, the system, yeah. his family—it's yeah. kind yeah. of yeah. that's exactly. the connection. I think yes, it's so exactly. powerful. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, uh, and I think you know you can you can access these sort of feelings on a much stronger level when you don't have words getting in your way. You know, when you can when you can really access these feelings on a, on a visceral level and and a, and a kind of almost like a kind of animal instinct level you know and that's and that's somehow like how the whole dialogue was because it was so wordless you know and and Mm -hmm. and it was just like it was somehow like everyone was just experiencing it without talking about it and that's somehow what um as as Joaquin was having a hard time finding his way into this transformation and finding his way into the character and and Todd started playing him the music on on sat and um he of course had no idea what I had felt when I was when I made the music and and um but the response that he had uh, specifically in the uh, in the bathroom scene is when when the kind of this transformation happens is a direct uh, response uh, of Joaquin's response to the music and he's like doing a choreography that was it was not in the script at all and mm-hmm. this scene was not planned at all and, and uh, it was it was really just like his his physical interaction to hearing the music
was just so magical for me because this was exactly how I had experienced it. Yeah. And this was exactly how I, you know, the the movements that he did were exactly from the same place as, as where I had felt this, you know, movement to his character. So it was just like, I mean, it's, it, it all sounds pretty fantastical when you <laughs> when you explain it, but it's really like how it happened, and it was it was just so interesting that we had never had a discussion about it. I had never, I mean, I did go visit the set, but you know, I I just I didn't want to get in anyone's way, so I didn't really talk to many people. <laughs> so I was just kind of going by the walls, background. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we never talked about this while they were shooting, yeah. and we never talked about it in the process. And then it wasn't until like the night before the premiere in Venice that we that we met for a drink and, and we were that just was the like first time you yes met. yeah yeah oh my gosh. yes I mean I had met him a couple of times before but we had never met to to talk about this and and he was like I can't believe like this is what what I was experiencing and I was like but that's what I was experiencing <laughs> and it was just it was so beautiful and it's it's a I think it's a real it's a real privilege to get to be a part of a process that that you where you feel like all the elements are growing so organically yeah. together, where you don't feel like, you know, you're not following anybody's uh, temp or the last mm. cut, or you're not, you know, trying to run after any sort of um, outside influences. You're just, yeah. yeah, being being led by feelings. And yeah. That's, uh, it's a, it was a very magical process. Well, it was wonderful to read as well, even from Todd's D.O.P. Lawrence, that that, that whole scene, we completely, you know, it completely changed because yeah. of how... Joachim then found the car, found found Fleck basically yes, within yeah, that yeah, piece, and so yeah. that then informed so much, it changed yeah. everything. Yes, exactly. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 a yeah, it's it's really really quite magical, mm. very special, a really special yeah. process to be a part of. It was really nice. There was some some other cues as well that really resonated with me. I, I mean, that's a really obvious one that he's obviously talked about and stuff as well, but. There was, there's some other stuff as well. One of my favorite cues is Penny taken to hospital. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. It's really, um, yeah, the emotion in that is, is so powerful.
once you'd kind of started that musical dialogue with Todd in terms of just writing the music and sending it mm-hmm. to him, did you then get to see bits and bobs of things? Yes, yeah, really? yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. So, so I I wrote quite a few themes and sent over to him, and and he um used the themes that he resonated with the most for the for the shooting, and then then as as they were shooting the the, the bathroom dance was the first scene that they mm. sent me, and and then he sent me a few more dailies, and then I, I started to write more music and, and dialogue to what I saw. Yeah, and, and so so then the um. The process of really responding to the picture and 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 uh, responding to the pacing that they were doing and the, and how everything looked, you know, then then that dialogue began. So there's obviously quite a lot of the music that's just directly also responding to yeah. to them. So it was a it was a quite nice like back and forth, you yeah. know, that that um that that we had in in that sense. And and uh, Penny taking to the hospital is is uh, that's like a, a interaction with uh, with the scene as well and and. Uh, as well as, of course, the ending, you know, which is um, that's very much in response to the to the scene and the, yeah. the, how how it looks and how the pacing is cut and, and yeah. uh, so there's yeah there's quite a lot of scoring to to film as well yeah. I loved also the um, following Sophie mm-hmm. cue as well. Yeah. There's just this lovely kind of sort of low pounding. Yeah, and yeah. The idea, I, I guess, hearing you talk about the cello and uh, you use this specific electric cello, is it mm-hmm. right? That kind yeah. Of, that, that is part of the, the, I guess, the heart of the score, really. That yeah, is, yeah. Is that, that yeah. a fair assumption? Yes, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It plays a really big role in the score. 
one of the instruments that I've been developing with uh, uh, with a friend for like the last 10, 12 wow, years or so. Exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's a, a lot of my work and a lot of my interest is, is based around um, instrument design as well. So, so uh, a film scores is, is really kind of just one part of, of the work that I do. So, yeah. so, so instrument design is, is a big part of, of uh, my kind of field of interest. Yeah, and your voice is also something that you mm. use. Yeah, you know, it, as an instrument. Yeah, in mm-hmm. terms of whether that's. You know, recording, writing, composer, like you say, you have yeah. so many hats that you wear. Yeah. You know, you're not one thing, which is no, wonderful because, yeah, yeah. you know, you kind of flit around them all sort yeah, of thing. But yeah. how important is the voice when you are composing for film and how do you use it? Uh, it's very important to me because it's like the... Um it's the most direct musical access that I have to myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I've always sung, and my my voice has always been a, a pretty big um, part of a musical expression. So I've, yeah. I've been, I was um, singing in choir since I was six years old, and I was a, I was a, um, professional singing child viking in, in Iceland as, as a child oh, great image I have there of a professional child singing viking exactly. I want to be her yeah exactly <laughs> I used to go with a flock of vikings to like hijack buses full of tourists and <laughs> drive them to a cave and I'd sing for them like traditional songs yeah 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 oh my yeah, god yeah, that's yeah. amazing yeah 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 there's so, a film that you have to like yeah, write exactly. a film to that. That's I want. It. I'm coming to see that film. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I. I uh, for me, um, you know, music is is. Uh, um, I'm not really a words person, and I have like I, I really often get stuck with not finding the right words, and you know, mm-hmm. having having problems explaining myself, and and. But music, I have a much easier time with because it's yeah. uh, it's it somehow flows more naturally, and and um, for me, um. The, the beauty of music as a, as a form of communication, as a form of expression, it's, it's the, um, I, I like being able to be flexible with the tonality. Like yeah. I, I, I don't like being kind of restricted by intonation, having to be very accurate. They're very kind of boxed in. So I, I um, the piano, for example, is, mm. a, is an instrument that I have a bit of a hard time connecting to because I, I can't bend the notes. Yeah, as I, yeah, yeah, they're, too <laughs> precise, yeah, yeah, they're a little yeah. bit too precise. Yeah. And it's, I like to be able to, um, both with my playing and um, and my singing, to go from like really crystalline, pure, almost like sinus tones that I can then bend yeah. just to kind of, you know, instead of using vibrato, you know, to be very crystalline and then uh, go somewhere, you know, so... so uh, so, so both the voice and the cello are really well suited for for that sort of expression. So those are the kind of these are the two instruments that I that I fall on the most for yeah. for for um, writing.
it almost that kind of thing where you can almost find new sounds every yes. time you yeah yeah open your mouth or yeah pick up exactly your cello exactly exactly and I think the the more direct access you have to expression like the 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 kind of fewer things that get in the way mm. I think you know the kind of the um I, for example like you know having any sort of I, th- I think the the louder the inner chatter box is like as you're working the 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 worse it is for for uh, for me at least for you know if I, if I'm if I'm thinking like is this cool or is this you know does it fit this genre or does yeah. it like is this instrument doing what the, like the louder this sort of chatter is it's, it's just like it really gets in my way it's, yeah. it's really just uh rubbish i think so the, <laughs> so, <laughs> so so the more direct ac- access i have to bypass that yeah. chatter the, the the better so 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 both the voice and the cello are, are, are good bypass can you remember though because you know you recorded the at time 72 piece uh, orchestra Mm -hmm. instruments um, Mm -hmm. in in New York but when you finally get to sit down and watch the film Mm -hmm. finished Mm -hmm. locked Mm -hmm. with that marriage of your sounds and your music with Mm -hmm. picture performance and Mm -hmm. stuff what's what was your reaction to watching Joker that first time it was just, it was wonderful. It was, it was really lovely. I mean, a lot of times I'm, I'm quite a hard critic of myself. And I, you know, normally when I have to listen to my own music or watch my own work, I, I, you know, I go through a lot of, there's a lot of criticism that <laughs> happens. And I'm like, oh, why didn't I do it? Or why, why was this added like, you know, it's, it's, yeah. uh, um, but this time it was, it was, uh, I was really genuinely happy and I actually had goosebumps like, you know, most of the time because <laughs> was, uh, yeah. it was just so, so lovely seeing all these elements yeah. come together so, so beautifully. And, and as I say, so, you know, of course there were like with, as with any film, you know, there's, there's a lot of work that goes into it and there's a lot of back and forth and you have problem scenes and all of that. But, but all in all, the dialogue was just so effortless somehow mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and for me, that's that's always such a good sign, and and then I can somehow rest comfortably mm-hmm. with uh, the storytelling being as as true as possible. Yeah. Because there's like you know, yeah, not a lot of like politics or chatter that that yeah, get in totally. the way. way that you tell story through your music is is extraordinary Thank and you. that performance in by Joaquim in, in that film it's it's 
I don't think I've been impressed by a performance in a film like that for a very long time. It's just extraordinary. It's so great to, I mean, it must be wonderful for you to know that that was informed by the connection that you had with this story that you read physically. Yes, That's, yes, yeah. absolutely. No, it's it's just, it's a really... It's. I, I think this is the. Um, this to me feels like the. You know the the, the kind of the, the honest way to have to collaborate. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. when when all the elements can really like genuinely influence each other and, yeah. and there can be a dialogue more than directions or or, or do uh, this do that. Type yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is is this a was this a luxury being able to work like this? Or oh God, you... yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is not how it normally works. <laughs> No, from I mean both, from people I've spoken to the past, yeah. like okay, I need a score in ten days. The pictures yeah. edited, the yeah. films edited. Yeah, I guess exactly. every project's very different. Uh, every project's very different, definitely. But I'm um, no, I'm I'm super lucky that that I'm I'm in such a privileged position in that way that um, I'm normally not hired to be anything else than myself. You know, I'm not because that's a, that's another problem that film composers often face is that they have to be able to write like anyone in the world and, and yeah. uh, I'm really not good at being anything else but myself <laughs> so I'd have a really hard time if that was the case for me it stood you in good stead so far uh, yeah exactly <laughs> no so it's but it's it's a real privilege to 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 be allowed to be yourself you know in, yeah. in this in this line of work it's it's not not um that's that yeah it's it's, it's uh, not everyone gets hired yeah. on, on those premises so so I I also I guess at this point I'm also known for for wanting to take time like I get really involved in projects that I'm working on so I I don't like to work on like a lot of things at the same time because mm-hmm. I, I like to be really dedicated to the process and to the project yeah. so so it really um I'm not like a film composer like you know I, I don't really even see myself as a film composer I just mm-hmm. you know make music but yeah. but um and sometimes for a film so I don't like I don't have like a huge team of people that are on my payroll or you yeah. know of course I have people that work with me but it's not like it's not like a big production and yeah. um and I like to I like to keep it like that and and therefore I'm especially in the later years I'm I'm normally given a bit more time and I'm I'm um I'm invited to come in like earlier in the process because uh people know this by now that I'm yeah. not going to churn out anything in, yeah, in yeah, two yeah. days <laughs> yeah well I mean it, you know Chernobyl being an amazing mm. Example of that. Congratulations on 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 everything with that oh, and the, the series you. as well. And you know the commitment you made to that so early on visiting this yeah. set in Lithuania. You know this uh, decommissioned power plant where mm-hmm. they were going to film and mm-hmm. and again it having to be a physical thing. You know mm-hmm. feeling and seeing this yeah this yeah. environment. Yes, exactly. Yeah, no, I I just I felt it was really important to understand the space and to understand because like in this in this story like the space is such a huge part mm. of the story like the, the actual power plant and it's a and character the, isn't it absolutely absolutely and i really felt like i needed to understand the space and i needed to feel the space and i needed to be able to understand what radiation sounded like because um, radiation is of course something that you can't capture with you know on, on on screen you can't yeah. see radiation so i felt the music really needed to be the radiation and I just really felt like I needed to understand it and therefore yeah. like go there and, 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 and have the space be the instrument kind of. So there's no instruments in the whole, in the whole series. Uh, my voice is the only kind of classical instrument that's kind of the, the human uh, emotional connection. But otherwise I managed to um, 
being pretty stubborn, managed to make up a musical instrument out of the <laughs> out of the power plant. So, <laughs> which took a lot of time and persistence, you know, <laughs> wow. to see that through. Um, but but um, in the end, it, it worked. Yeah. Out. that um there's the the burial song mm-hmm. which is ju- oh my god it's it and i love the journey that that took of it of mm. it being a, a an old traditional song that was yeah. played at, yeah. at, at burials but yeah. then manipulating it and making yeah. it yours yeah. and to fit yeah. within this narrative yeah yeah part yeah. of the storytelling yeah yeah Yeah, no, I've I've been really lucky this year with both. I mean, I was working on Chernobyl and um, Joker completely hand in hand, like at the same time. Wow. So it was pretty it was wow. pretty intense year. Dark days. <laughs> yeah, very dark days. <laughs> pretty pretty dark. Uh, I had a pretty Hence dark why year. Why you're the football with your kids <laughs> yeah. straight after? Here we go. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so. Uh, um, <clears throat> But I was just, it was a real, um, both projects were just so wonderful to work on, you yeah. know, despite the dark subjects. Um, yeah. Because I really had a lot of space and a lot of time and a lot of, a lot of trust, you know. I mean, I can imagine the, what the producers might have thought when I, when I started out with Chernobyl as saying like, yeah, I want the whole music just to be coming from this power plant, yeah. you know. I don't know what went through their heads when, uh, when we started out on, on, on that journey, yeah. but, um. But they trusted me throughout the whole process and, and yeah. never lost faith. And and, uh, and that's just a real, you know, it's a real privilege to feel that level of trust and, and you know, to allow that journey to happen without yeah. much interruption. You know, it's, it's um, yeah, a real privilege. Would you mind if I talked very briefly about Johan and working yeah. with him and, yeah. and that kind of wonderful journey that you guys had as, as, you know, working together and playing and then the wonderful job that you did with with Mary Magdalene as well, which we've, mm-hmm. we've spoken about and played on the show already mm-hmm. and stuff, and mm-hmm. 
was he a bit like a mentor in a way for you or, or no, what was that? No, 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 not at all. No, it's it's, it's a bit of a misunderstanding yeah, that's no, happened. But that's what lovely white stuff yeah. is, you know, we can talk Yeah, about exactly. Well, I mean, of course, we knew each other from... Um, from like the mid late 90s you know because we're both from Iceland and and, you know of course the music scene is very small so we we had been involved in you know a lot of the same um you know same concerts and events and and uh, um so in 2003 we started um our first kind of duet collaboration for an Italian dance piece and so that was the, the beginning of our kind of this uh collaboration that we had that lasted yeah. throughout um his whole life which was yeah was almost like 20 years of, wow. of constant collaboration yeah. so we worked pretty much on every single project that, that both of us were um were working on uh, throughout that time but we it, it wasn't like a, a mentor-student mm-hmm. relationship at all it was always very collaborative I mean, he never really wrote any of the parts for me I, but it was you, it you, was yeah, it yeah, was um very much just like a um a response to to our friendship and and you know our our dialogue was was largely through music so we we uh yeah shared shared 20 years of a very yeah strong dialogue with each other through that yeah. and we have that music to enjoy yeah, yeah, yeah. which is wonderful and yeah. um, one of those films that that Todd talked about when he was he was talking about you was was Sicario 2 mm-hmm. and how much he loved that score mm-hmm. um, and it, I watched it again two nights ago I hadn't yeah. watched the film for a while yeah, yeah. and it's it's um what an interesting role that score plays in mm-hmm. the film it's so important and so brilliant mm-hmm. but it's it's and I think that's what's so great about when you kind of stop to, to kind of look at all these wonderful pieces that you've created for film specifically mm-hmm. is that nothing's the same but each one fulfills such a specific thing for the film mm. that it's almost like a missing piece yeah. if that yeah. is fair to sort of say oh great yeah but with Sicario 2 what do you what are your memories of, of working and and creating that sort of soundscape and those pieces for that yeah yeah well that was quite um it was in some ways quite a challenging process actually because um of course like it, it's a sequel mm-hmm. to Sicario and and um and Johan had like written that score, which became really quite uh, influential on the scores to come after that. So <laughs> it's been like yeah, I don't know, yeah. I don't know how many copies <laughs> I've I've heard of that. <laughs> That's quite, quite quite a few. So it's uh, it was it was quite funny to um like I was I was a really big part of of Sicario One, of course. Like yeah. I, I played all the cello parts, and like a lot of the string parts are, are based on on uh, things that I had played and and been like kind of a part of arranging and and um. So therefore, like you know, I was hired because of my connection to the to the first score and because my sound was already such a big part of yeah. the, of the first one.
So in some ways it was, the music came quite naturally because because it was somehow like a logical um, mm-hmm. logical way forward from, from the first one. But it was um, also like a little bit funny to to someone not want to um become one of that copycat scores of the <laughs> of the first score which was also myself so it was like it was <laughs> the kind of like copy how my... do I not copy myself <laughs> but like you know not <laughs> so it was it was, uh, it was quite a funny process but of course like you know it had to have a connection to the first one but at the same time the story was quite different yeah. from the from the first yeah. one I think it's because the focus was different yes absolutely and there was like there's so many elements of, of the of the story and in, in the second one that are like a lot more emotional and you know it's the whole journey between the um between him and and, and the girl and and you know so so the score somehow needed to be more emotional than the, than the first one was yeah. and there needed to be like a lot more score because the the first one had it was it was only 40 minutes of music in that film and, and this like those they're always like these kind of big musical statements, yeah. but um, which works so wonderfully for that film. And and somehow this film needed a little bit, a little bit more of support to be mm-hmm. carried throughout some of the scenes. So that yeah, so the role was a bit different. But I, th- I think, yeah, I think in the end it, yeah, came out, came it's out got, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's got its own place. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, <laughs> exactly. definitely. Um, I'm so excited to see what's next from yeah. you. I don't know if you're working on something at the minute or not, but I assume you are because... No, I'm that, not working on anything, actually. Well, um, yes, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, not exactly. It, it's been kind of, everything kind of blew up. Like, I wasn't really expecting this reaction to, to really? either Joker or to no Really? So, yeah. Wow. I didn't really, I hadn't really, uh, yeah, I wasn't prepared for, for, um, 
the, the explosion that <laughs> I think you should also be prepared for like what you're talking about with that actually also with arrival there was like straight after that you could hear all these copycat yes exactly. so arrival's a crime, yeah, so I, I think you yeah. need to be prepared for the, the copycat Chernobyl and Joker scores to kind of follow after on these ones as well that's coming yeah, yeah but <laughs> <laughs> it's always kind of interesting to, to uh, you know, one that happens and you're like, oh, okay, well, that's a little bit obvious. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's of course, like, you know, it's, it's, flat, it's flattering yeah. as well and it's, yeah. it's uh, you know, it, it doesn't bother me at all. It's lazy, but it's yeah. a <laughs> Could have maybe changed the BPM at least. <laughs> but, uh, no, but I'm, I'm just, I'm taking a little bit of time to... Yeah, because last year was really intense with, yeah. with both projects happening and, and the, the reaction has been so strong. So I'm kind of just trying to gather myself throughout the whole, <laughs> throughout the whole process. I think you're going to have a busy start of 2020 as well with uh, all those events that happen around films. So yeah, I think, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. But it's an absolute treat to get to chat to you. I'm thank such fans you. of what you do. Thank you. Thanks thank so much you. for your time. Thank yes, you. thank you. score to Joker, that's Confession by Hilda Gutnotia, running off this first part of our soundtracking double bill. Next up, Dolly Wells, writer, actor and all-round top lass, who's just made her directorial debut with Good Posture, and among the many needle drops she personally chose for the film is the wonderful Bang On by The Breeders. Wells. Hello, this is really lovely. This is very, very nice to be here with I'm you. Trying to remember when you very kindly invited me along to watch your film. Oh, yes. I mean, this is months ago. Good posture. Yes. This was 
last okay what month are we now we're in october, october. so it was la- it was the beginning of this year or was it like april was it yeah maybe april or may of this no. oh hang on no because it was at tribeca at april yes it was before that so it was before i think it was no, february or something yes and i have to say massive congratulations on the film and i said that to you back then that it was such an i just felt like it was such an accomplished piece of work that it oh, felt like you. Along the way, doing all the things that you've done and all the different types of productions that you've been involved in, TV, film, comedy, drama, all that, have all kind of, almost like you've kind of taken little bits along the way that have given you the confidence to write yes. and direct your first feature. Yes. Would you agree? Yes, I think it's a whole combination of all these things. I don't know if you ever feel that you've totally got the confidence, yeah. <laughs> but you feel, and and also I was sort of pushed into doing it, which I'm so pleased that I was. Who by? Um, Jamie Adams, who yeah. makes those, um, he makes improvised films. And, and I was in origi- um, uh, Black Mountain Poets I was in. Yeah. And then he's just done Balance, Not Symmetry. Symmetry, which Biffy Claro did the soundtrack exactly, for, which was exactly. awesome. Yep. And he is really inspiring because he just sort of was like, I can make these films, I'm going to do it. And he made, mil- millions isn't quite right, but he's made about eight. And he um, he said, I'd like you to tell a, I'd like you to make one, I'd like you to tell a story. And it was, he asked me about three years ago and I was like, nope, just don't dare. <laughs> so I said no. And instead I did a play off Broadway, which Grace, who plays Lillian in the film, mm-hmm. was played my daughter. And so I wouldn't have been able to if I hadn't met her. So, you know, all worked out. But then the next year he said, again, I think you have to say yes this time because otherwise they might not offer you the money to make this film. I was like, okay. But yes, I totally agree. I think it is a combination of all sorts of things that I've done until now. A sort of tone that I really like that I probably, I mean, it's not exactly the same as Don and M, but that's sort of slightly, that that there's comedy, but there's also something quite sad and striving to sort of find Mm -hmm. your way. How did you come to the decision on what you wanted to write about for the film? What you wanted the story to be? Um, I can remember my husband saying, "Oh, I've got an idea. I saw this journalist in the street, and they, he had this. He he came to me with something that was really cool, but it wasn't kind of my voice. It wasn't quite so. That from then I was like, okay, well, there's something I'm, I'm not necessarily going to do, but it was quite interesting about the relationship with these two people. And then I was interested. My cousin had stayed with a writer, and I found that interesting. And then I read this book, Gratitude." by Jenny Dinsky that was about Doris Lessing yeah. and how she lived with her. And I thought that was really interesting. So I stopped reading it because I was thinking, okay, this is really good. This is definitely <laughs> along the lines of something I want to do. So I'm not going to. Um, but yeah, so I think I, I, I'm not sure where in my mind that idea was, but it just started to percolate. And I didn't have very long, which was good as well, to okay. write it. I only had about six weeks to write the film. Wow. <laughs> um, because there was a date that, that they knew that they wanted to film. I'm not exactly sure where it came from, but I think it was the idea of a reclusive writer and a young woman who had sort of no interest in their writing and how mm. it, what would happen sort of came to me. Because deadlines as well is really interesting. When mm. we've spoken to various creatives on the show, I was speaking to a composer called Matthew Herbert last week, mm. and he was like, he got asked to write a, a, a score for an entire film in something like two weeks. And it's like, oh bloody God. hell. But being under pressure, I don't know if, I mean, I, I'm a, I realise I'm the biggest procrastinator in the world when I'm given too much time to do things sort of thing. <laughs> so those deadlines can really work in your favour. They really can. And even the fear of it. I can remember <laughs> just being like, 24 days left, 19 days left. Have I, have I, and starting out with those, with those, you know, those film cards those yeah. sort of, that you put your shots and just sitting, just taking pictures of them and then turning them around and just being sort of too scared to do anything. And I didn't want anybody to read it. And I was, you know, I mean, I felt, and also it's the first time I've written on my own, not with Emily. Yeah. But yeah, deadlines definitely are something that I respond to. And then on that first day of shooting, when it's your story, you're directing it, you're in charge, what's that feeling like? It's 
abject terror because that day, I mean, it's really exciting, yeah. but I have a habit of going icy calm when I'm really nervous. And Zadie Smith was had two hours when she wasn't, for something she had to take one daughter to do something. She was going to pick her kids up and, and she was so sweet and gracious and up for doing it. But she was waiting downstairs and... I could see that something was happening, but yeah. I was like, what's, what's everything right? And the lenses hadn't arrived. And it was a 12-day shoot already, our film. So it was oh like, God. and we've now lost half of one day. So we've lost like a 20th of the whole production. And, um, and there was no one, because I didn't, I'd never directed anything before as well. You couldn't work out, you were sort of going to one person. They were like, no, not me. I don't know where the lenses are. <laughs> who, who should I ask where the lenses are? Like trying to be so calm. And then Maggie Monteith, our producer, was incredible. Just fingers going a million miles an hour on her phone. And they arrived, but they didn't arrive for the first bit. So we had to use. So when we were doing the interview bits where we were filming Zadie and yeah. Jonathan and Martin later on, we had to use these shitty interview cameras because they hadn't turned up but so so the, the it gen- works though yeah it does yeah it makes sense that's, yeah that's, totally that's what you realize which is so good about all these happy accidents <laughs> you have to keep going yeah no that works too does that work yeah yeah that works the fact that whose pv is that yeah yeah it works <laughs> but um but it felt really you had to sort of pinch yourself i mean that was good as well that in a way that it was quite short because you didn't have the time to feel too nervous you just had to stay right in the moment because mm. otherwise you'd waste half an hour and that would be so much you know? yeah did you think about the sound of the film, like having music and things? Too? Yes. Some, I mean, I chose that. I really minded about which songs it was going to be and chose the songs, obviously. And there were songs that like um, the Karen O song, mm-hmm. Sing Along. I knew that I was listening to that Crush Songs album all the time while I was writing the film. So that was, I knew once I'd worked out, because there's a scene anyway where that song happens. <laughs> I didn't want there to be talking in that scene because I felt like it would be too sort of on the nose and expositional. Uh-huh. I felt like, so that song was part of the story for me. And then the last, the Yvonne Harris song, Near to Me, my husband was listening to in the shower and I was like, well, he was listening to a reggae compilation of a couple of us. And I was like, that song is amazing. And I couldn't stop listening to it. And it was the same thing. That sort of informed the story as well. Because what she was saying about Near to You, but I'm far away. And it was, my, anyway, don't want to give plot away about one little thing. But yeah, so the, the music was really important. Yeah.
interesting to think that you you had music around whilst you were writing. Then, what did that help with? Was it character? Was it kind of narrative, emotion? I, yeah, I all think of emotion it? and tone, and that it was part of you know that they were you know well Lillian hadn't worked out or hadn't by the end of the film worked out who she what she wants to be, but that it's about sort of creatives like the the husband isn't has not found his way with music, but that's mm. what he wants to be doing and. Julia is a very successful, in theory, writer and everything, but she's also struggling with her own things. So I suppose music was just a part of the art of it. I guess as well, though, it's like because music can also distract you in a way mm. as well, not, mm. take you away from where you're trying to get to as well. So, you know, if there's things on that, that are kind of going, no, God, no, you know, kind of almost making that choice to switch things off or move mm. away from those type of things mm. as well, because it's... And also that's another choice as well when you're making something of knowing where music works, but also where it doesn't work. Yeah. Because it can kind of contradict or or do that thing of pushing audience too far in one way. Yes, which I find I hate that when it's like sort of. And just in case we haven't made it clear, this is how you're supposed to feel. You know, <laughs> I can't bear that. I feel like no, I'm just not going to feel that now. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be sort of corralled. You know, <laughs> you're that one person in the cinema. No, I'm not gonna cry. Who's not gonna laughing? Is <laughs> absolutely bawling their eyes out. God, I was remembering that yesterday. It was so weird that I watched. Um, the notebook I'd never ever seen it before and Elsie my daughter she played it to me um, about three years ago and I did some really bizarre thing where I couldn't stop crying <laughs> yeah. I cried from that film for about three hours yeah she had to call my husband and he came back from Manhattan he was doing something because she was like it's really weird she still hasn't stopped crying it's something very it was like a sort of tap. rain or a tap I couldn't work out what it was and that was probably the music um, but yeah yeah it's no, just Ryan Gosling <laughs> period something about that film and I wasn't even particularly enjoying it I mean I was but I was just like, oh no, something's happening. I was washing up, I was crying, I went upstairs, I bath, I was still crying. I was like, this has really got to let up. It was so weird. It's raining, I'm crying, <laughs> all that. It was really bizarre. Some films are like that though as well. They just kind of, I don't know, they get under your, they almost like take control of you in a yeah. way. It's so weird. You can't, you can't, I was, I watched um, uh, Judy uh, the other mm. the other night, the Bernie Zellweger film, yeah. and and it's a, it's a kind of crescendo on that to this performance that she has of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Somewhere over the rainbow Way up high There's a land that I've heard of once in a upon a star and wake up where the clouds are far behind me where troubles melt like lemon drops away above the chimney tops that's where you It's almost that thing of you're you're waiting for that song throughout the whole film okay. because it's such a part of that woman of 
you know, and weirdly just had a relevance to her whole story. Mm. You know what I mean? It's so yeah, sad. But oh my God, similarly kind of, I was just like, I, I think I've ever cried like that <laughs> where it just felt like the water was, wasn't just like streaming, it was pouring out of my <laughs> eyeballs. It was like, all right, stop now, you're embarrassing yourself kind of thing. But yeah, that was, it's it's crazy when films do that, oh when you God. don't even like want it to. No, I took two of my goddaughters to see Les Miserables and one of them, like me, was sort of quite calm. We were crying a bit. But the other one, oh my goodness, I mean, it's part of her absolute charm, was just howling, <laughs> like howling. And we were sort of person, oh, so sweet, Marth, keep you know. Okay, yeah, I think everyone else is like... I mean, she just cried. So, it was crazy. I was impressed that she could cry that loudly because I, was, I was, wasn't sure if it was complete, but it was just mad, yeah. Do you remember films that have... Um, where music as part of, of the kind of journey and the experience have really resonated with you over the years as a, a film fan of watching things? Yeah, see, it's so weird. I can't, like, suddenly Paris, Texas comes into my mind. Right. But I probably haven't seen that for so long. But that great, as a mem- yeah. you know, just there. I mean, I do think that the soundtrack of a film is so, so... If, if it's if it's got right, it's just so wonderful because yeah. it's definitely a huge, huge part of the film. Mm. Did you have a music supervisor on the film then at all? Or, and did you think about going the traditional route of composer and things like no, that? No, I didn't have a supervisor. That was me, I suppose, because I chose <laughs> the songs. But then I had a fantastic woman called Heather Christian who did the... Um, she was the composer, yeah. She yeah. did the singing and the piano that was yeah. really lovely. If you're blue, take the blue and stuff it in the sea. Around a drain, around a stove pipe, as long as you can see me. Wave my little hand. And if you're mad, take your mad, stuff it down your throat. Take a shower at your neighbor's house. Maybe you can call that being a little brave. And what were the conversations you had with her in terms of what, um, or the ask of, of what you wanted? Yeah, it was, it was really difficult because I was sort of saying to her, I don't have the language for this conversation. <laughs> but, but you she have was, the emotion. Yeah, and, and the that's, story. That's, that's what I would talk to her about. That's what was really great. I mean, she, funnily enough, had been my son's. Pian- my daughter's piano teacher and my son she taught my song songwriting um, when we first moved to America oh, wow. and she's really wonderful and she is incredible actually I mean she's so interesting and original And but so yeah we talked about I talked about emotion of moments and I talked about like I'd love there to be just the piano here or I'd like this to feel like it's round you know so yes I had the la- I had a sort of very simple language mm-hmm. but she was really receptive to that and then she and then it was a lot of her make you know sending me something yeah. and being like I love so much of that but I'd love there to be fewer instruments but there were there were moments that it was difficult like when Grace first sits on the stairs when she's about to move into this house mm-hmm. and yeah you don't want you don't want to tell anybody anything too early you don't, yeah. and there's so many 
complicated yeah. things that one topples something else. But yeah, it was it was fantastic because that's the feeling I really felt with everybody that I was working with was that I didn't ha- I had the language for the actors just because I've been acting for so long that I would know or I didn't know, but I felt I knew how I would want to be told. Yeah. But when you were talking to like my cinematographer, Ryan Edelston, that I'd be like, I can remember saying, I'm not feeling quite enough here. <laughs> And he was like, okay. I was like, okay, can we come further back? No, I'm not feeling. Can we go close? No, I'm still not feeling. Um, just put Emily in and have her from back. Okay, now I'm feeling it. You know, and so you didn't even know <laughs> yeah. sometimes what it was. It was just, I knew exactly what I didn't want. Yeah. But they were such a collaborative bunch. It was just so fantastic. It felt really exciting. Like mm. they weren't patronizing or it was like we were all equally excited that, that we had this short time to make this thing. Was this the first score that she'd worked on then or she No, she did the score for Lemon, do you know that yeah. film that Janixa Bravo made? I'm not sure if she's done other films, but that was the, that was the one that I knew. It's really nice. Do you think you could have made the film set it in the UK? No. Yeah. No, I don't think I yeah. could. It's so weird that <laughs> yeah. someone asked me that and I was thinking where would I have set it? Like Kilburn or like <laughs> Wilsdon? Or, I don't think I could. Yeah. But, and I think part of that maybe is because it felt like I was doing it in a bubble there. Because although it's my home and it is where I live, Brooklyn, and right very, very near where I shot everything, I think that it felt like there were, not that there would have been eyes on me, but because I'm from London, all my family, my friends, I feel like they would have been coming to have a look or I would have just yeah. felt shyer, like it yeah, was yeah, more yeah. expected of me. And yeah. there it was like, no one really knows what I'm doing. I'm just making this film. I'm yeah. not sort of talking about it. And that's what people do there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean yeah, as well? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, don't, people don't look twice. No. no. Although, where we were shooting, it was so funny because it was tiny budget and everything was really quick. And, you know, there'd be a shot where the light was going. It was sort of, and the seasons would change. Cause had, you know, it was all just sort of bonkers. But there were four men. The, one, the road that was supposed to be Emily's house is quite, all around that area where we live, is quite sort of noisy outdoor life and quite sort of wild, rowdy. And there were four guys that started getting drunk at about 11 in the morning and it was now about 7. <laughs> And they were so pissed. And you could just hear it's getting louder and louder. Go back to Hollywood. And I was just thinking, oh, we really are not from Hollywood. And, and there was, it was just like, oh, do we just, so we just left it. Because it was like, we don't want to piss these people off. It's their street. We don't, I mean, I sort of understand it. We do look annoying. Okay, fine. But that was quite hard to cut around. There were loads of, there were loads of things like that. Because there was no, we didn't have enough people to be stopping things. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, stopping traffic or anything like that. Yeah. Um, can we talk a little bit about Doll and M? Please. I loved, loved, loved Please. that. 24 episodes, was it? That's a lot of writing. Only 12. Was it? Yeah, because it was six. We did two seasons oh, and it was just six, six for the first episodes. and six for the second, which I think is more English. I mean, yeah. Because I don't think that would have been allowed in, if we'd had it commissioned yeah. in America. I loved that series. How did you write it? We wrote it to get, well, funnily enough, the very first episode of the first season, we were trying to work out with our director, Azazel Jacobs, he's a brilliant yeah. friend and director, Um Em and I thought, first of all, that it was going to be a play. Okay. I know, so weird, because we were really inspired by All About Eve mm-hmm. and The Servant, and we sort of pictured this trailer on open, like sort of Jerusalem or something. <laughs> that play. Um, and then it was like, hang on, how's this going to work? And Emily lives in America, and I live in London, and this is just going to be so much work, and it's not just going to happen. And then we thought maybe it would be a film. Mm-hmm. And then as I was saying, let's just film the scenes that we're excited about or that we've been talking about and just see. And Emily was filming the newsroom, so we shot five or six scenes with her in her costume in the trailer sort of really quick I can remember us me and Azra and the DP Tobias Datum and Emily all piling out of the thingy and um, one of the cast being like what's going on are you having a gangbang and we're like no no, we're not having a gangbang we're making a very quiet film although they had an American accent it was Olivia (laughs) Munich that's right but um but so we shot these scenes, we shot sort of five or six scenes 
And then as I sent us this, and but they, that's that's the answer, the long answer to your question is we didn't write those. We just had rehearsed them. So we sit on the floor when she had to get up very early to do the newsroom, just practicing again and again and again what we'd say in these handful of scenes. Wow. And then we shot them like the one where she's on the, you know, where, where she's on the sofa and getting the ice cream. And, yeah. And then once that was sent to us, and as I was like, this feels like a part, like an episode or something. Yeah. Then we knew there had to be more because it wasn't long enough. Then we then we wrote the other scenes, and then from going on from then onwards, we always wrote them, and we would write them to get when we were together. We'd just sit next to each other and do way too much chatting, but on the computer. And then if we weren't there together, one would write a scene and send it, and the other one would change it, and then so we'd take a scene each. Amazing. And then you send it to each other and you edit it. And then you get to a point which is really nice where you don't even really know who's written what or mm. how it's turned into that thing. You know? Was it nice to kind of have fun writing a character for yourself? Yes. It was well it was really well, it was really fun writing both because I think probably why it works is because you can without sounding sort of mawkish, you can sort of see the love that in real life we have for each other. So it doesn't mm. feel like like a band being put together or something where two people really wanted to write their own thing, jokes. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. fighting with it. Like yeah. we just wanted to write this thing about these two people. So it wasn't like, you know, if I if I came up with an idea for M or she came up with an idea for me, that was just as pleasurable. Or like, mm. I mean, I can remember just finding it so enjoyable, her as the old lady with, um, I can't remember, episode five, the first season. And I just found, and there would be things that like, she would just be being so funny that would be really <laughs> enjoyable and surprising that you'd get just as much pleasure writing for yourself. But yeah, it was really, it was really fun writing for both of us. Yeah. Do you think there could be more? Then we are currently writing something else together. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's not Don and M, but it's something else. That makes me so excited. <laughs> I love the idea of that. So, um, and did you did you because you'd you'd written it and obviously you're 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 in it, but mm. you had Azizel who's amazing. Mm. But but did you get involved in that side of it in the kind of after you'd after the, you'd shot it basically in terms of construction of the episodes and um well, Mandy no. did the was composing it yes. to Maddie Hoffman who's amazing. She's brilliant, yeah. Um yeah and Azza had already worked with her. No, Azza was editing it in LA and we would come in, I can't remember, I think I was filming well, I was filming Blunt Talk when it was the second season. We were definitely very much involved. We were also all the producers, so you know, you'd be being sent things and you'd be having ideas, definitely all of us. But um I felt very safe in Azza's yeah. you know, direction and everything. But, you know, the way... But, but yeah, we were... It was That was really nice. It was really collaborative. Yeah. I've got to talk about um, Can You Ever Forgive Me as well whilst you're here, which was just extraordinary. It was such uh, a great film. I was so oh, lucky to be part of that. I mean, Marielle's just done... A, she did an amazing job with that film. Uh, on, I imagine, a very small budget and kind of tight shooting schedule and things like that. But the performances that she got out of that and your character, Anna, as well, and how important she is to the whole narrative of, of both those characters as well was, was extraordinary. What was your reaction when you first read the script and when you were first, first got that part? I was really thrilled to get it. I mean, I was thinking I've never played a part like her before. She's like a child, hmm. you know, that her friends are all the sort of ghosts of writers or whatever, that she's trying to keep her dad's bookshop going. And she's got a sort of quite a thin skin or something. It felt like like she was quite naive. You sort of imagine her sort of floating through New York. So I thought In it was brilliant. little world, yeah. Yeah, it was something really so sweet. And mm. also I loved, I just loved, I hadn't read, can you forgive me? I mean, I read it after reading the script. But I also loved the fact that there was a little bit of attention and time on a woman who's cantankerous and drinks too much and isn't successful and isn't sort of obviously attractive and charming, you know, that mm. I just thought she was such a... Because I feel like there are so many people... It's almost like you're not allowed to, if you reach sort of 30 or 40 or 50, you're not allowed to say that you're a writer unless you've made... Yeah. Unless your books are in the front yeah, window totally. or whatever. And it was... And that it's so silly because there's so many people that I know or through my 
mother-in-law or my father-in-law or friends of my parents or our friends who are like they're just doing the thing that they're doing they just make you maybe you don't know who they are and I remember feeling that it used to give me solace in New York when I was feeling lonely was the the music on the subway there'd be people that were really brilliant and you're like this is just a choice or your life is taking you this way yeah. you're getting as much pleasure from playing yeah to 40 people on the subway as if you were sort of Everyone's going, ah, yeah, know. playing Carnegie Hall. Yeah, yeah exactly. And yeah, so I th- found there's something very lovely about the specificity of the script of that story. And I remember my husband saying that they were just the first time we watched it together, just saying those are real Jack Hawk and those are real characters. I remember he lived in the Chelsea Hotel when he was little, and he was like, "These oh, are, wow. yeah, these are real people. These are totally believable real characters." And it's yeah. really lovely seeing them. And also that it was just the end of something like bookshops and. Yeah, that scene in particular with you and Melissa at dinner Mm. was, I mean, was that fully scripted? Did you have much opportunity to kind of, you know, was was it loose or were you... No, it was fully scripted. Yeah, I can remember feeling really nervous on that day. I wonder if that was my first... Well, Mari is so cool because she doesn't, she, you feel like you're being really watched, which is so nice, Mm -hmm. but it would just be like a little tweak or she'll come over and it's brief. It's sort of like, she just gives you a little thing and you're like, oh, great. Fantastic. She would try and make me stay speaking with an American accent all the time. And I was so trying to impress <laughs> Melissa because I was just like, oh, I can't believe I'm working with Melissa. And it was at the same time that she was doing that Sean Spicer thing. That was <laughs> yeah, just Michael too funny. To, yeah. You just couldn't believe the genius of that. Like yeah. I said, watch it again, again, again. Yeah. Try and be cool about it. Like, yeah, it's quite funny. Yeah, it's good. something I can't remember what I was telling her and she's so warm and funny and cool and Melissa just came over and was like can you finish that with an American accent I was like <laughs> not, not really oh god okay yeah 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 no sure I will oh and then you sort of go I can't so I have to say this way in accent because I don't I can't even do this but um but so yeah it was a lovely thing to be a part of everybody like Arjun who did the um the wardrobe like every aspect of it was so good it just mm. looked perfect I thought and it was a short shoot I mean I I was only in for about five days wow but that scene yeah that scene in the, in the restaurant was really special I mean it felt like it was such fun acting opposite Melissa and there was something so so sad mm. you know she was just I know people like her she was just sort of tough pretending to be but there was something so it was so like an onion so many layers her yeah. performance of that yeah it was it was extraordinary I was lucky enough to sort of do quite a few Q&A's with mm. with Richard sort of around um, around it and just hearing the, him talk about the experience on set of what that was like it was um yeah it sounded pretty special I had a thought that just popped in my head there totally American accents you nailed them though because well you're married to an American mm-hmm. you live in America mm-hmm. you, nothing to worry about come on well you say that my kids are quite mean they're like oh your accent oh your accent oh you have to what I have to do and I'm panicking so I'm doing something next week we have to be American I've got to really get on with it 
is um, <laughs> you have you do have to do quite a lot of work because even though I've been I'm married to an American, I've been with them for so many years, and I live in America, there is still something like your mouth. You know, your tongue moves in a completely different way. You use a different part of your mouth. So many different accents yeah, as well. So many different accents, and so it is. It is. I do find it quite hard, and I don't find doing accents that hard. Mm. I mean, I like doing sort of European accents, but it is quite difficult. No, and then I did Room 104. You know that the Duplass brothers did. Yeah. I loved doing that, and that was like me and my husband were like, okay, I'm gonna watch it now. And it's 30 minutes, and it was just me on screen. It's called The Woman in the Wall, and there was, and it was like, oh, hold on to the sofa because there's got to be a bit. If I'm talking, if it's just me talking for 30 minutes, it's gonna be a sort of father or something terrible is gonna come out. And we're just like. No, I think it's all right. It's still all right. It's all right. I think it's all right. Oh, I think that was all right. But it doesn't mean there won't be times. I mean, in, in Home Again, which is that Reese Witherspoon Oh, my film. God. So I didn't know you were in that oh film, my... right? And I, w- oh, I yeah. remember t- I went to watch it and I verbally, in a cinema full of like film scary critics, mainly like grumpy old men, just went, Dolly! <laughs> this screen, I was so excited to see you. It was so you. bizarre. I was so surprised that I was in it too. <laughs> Um, but it was that was really fun and she was so wonderful but I was trying to explain to the cast because they were saying um, you can improvise in this scene and I was like I won't be talking in this scene and they're like why and I was going because okay you try and pretend now that so you're playing an English person just improvise where are you from you're from Hackney like it was like I can improvise in a different accent but I just don't know what I will say once I start improvising because I don't know where I'm from once I start just you know so I don't have the confidence to be just sort of going right off, you know. So I was just sort of smiling because I felt too shy. I felt like, you know, oh, I don't know. I was just, and they were like, okay, I get what you mean. I was like, well. <laughs> How, I, I wanted to ask about the, when you look back at all the, the brilliant stuff as well that you've done with regards to comedy here in the UK and, and all the brilliant shows that you've been part of, you know, IT Crowd, Peep Show, um, Mighty Bush, all mm. that kind of gang and stuff as well. And it's interesting to hear people talk about how comedy is a brilliant training yeah. in terms of timing and things for dramatic stuff. I think as well. so, do you? yeah, I really do. I think that it's almost the stuff in the middle that's harder. I think comedy and drama lend themselves. Like I can remember Melissa kept getting asked that, like, oh, it's a whole different genre. And she's like, well, not really, because you're just being, I mean, unless you're like Lauren Hardy or something. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're trying to do the comedy yeah. seriously. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not very good at doing like really big sort of anything that much. I don't think. Like I had to do. Oh no, I can't say yet. Nearly, I so nearly did. I would have got a phone call. Um, oh god. Um, no, there's there's certain bits when you have to do the sort of <gasps> responding that I'm terrible at, or the screaming, or the sort of you know. But but I think that you do. Yeah, I think it is a good preparation. I think they're not that far apart. But mm. often people are so surprised when somebody who can do comedy well can do serious drama and I think it's not um to me it's not that surprising yeah has the experience of good posture really kind of encouraged you and the response that you've had from it so far which has been brilliant to do more yes great definitely definitely someone that was hilarious someone I was in a sort of bad mood and someone said do you want to write and direct anymore what are you planning to do? And I went, mm, not sure. But I was sort of joking. And then I got an email the next day saying, so sad to hear that you don't want to. And I was like, I was joking. Because here's four <laughs> scripts for you to direct. <laughs> no, I definitely, definitely do. That's great. Yeah. And write is, it, I guess, because you've had that wonderful experience of writing and directing, you know, your first feature. <clears throat> is that a luxury? I, I imagine it's a very different experience, the idea yes. of taking someone else's script yes. and directing it. Yes, that makes it... I feel nervous, but that's okay. Someone just has to give me a deadline. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, if it's something you've written yourself, you can see it so clearly. Mm. So I don't think I would be able to direct somebody else's film in 12 days. Like, you know, yeah. that I 
could choose the locations. I knew the mood of it. I could write the dialogue for each character because I knew the people. So I think that was a wonderful start. And I think there's something special about being able to write your own things. But also there's a challenge in directing somebody, you know, mm. having a collaboration of like, you know, seeing this writer's world that they then can explain to you and then you take it away and do something else. And... Yeah. So when will that be? I don't know. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, tomorrow. No, I've, I've got things. I'm How many about... days did you see here? Yeah. On yeah, six <laughs> weeks from now. Go. Okay, starting. Okay, bye. <laughs> um, I can't wait to see what's next. And oh, I'm just, you. I'm so happy for you with, with, and I'm so just, it's just such a great film. It's oh, great. And you've got you great so performances. Much. And um, yeah, I just thought it was absolutely wonderful. And I said that to you. You, you know, do. when I saw it months yeah. ago sort of thing. And it's wonderful to see it being unleashed and people responding to it as well. So no, hurry up you. and do the next one. Okay, well, Thanks, doll. Thank you so much, Edith. posture that's once grown by heather christian rounding off this latest episode of soundtracking with dolly wells and hilda goodnotier now my huge thanks to both hilda and dolly for taking the time to talk to us both joker and good posture are on general release now and you should definitely seek both of them out now we will put up a spotify playlist for this show via edithbowman.com which is also the place to catch up with all of our previous episodes including a very early outing for todd phillips and I promise we are trying to make episode two with Todd Phillips happen. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. And check out our YouTube channel if you have a moment for loads of extra content. Next up, we have a double bill of composers. But together, we're in the company of David Arnold and Michael Giacchino. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then.